Hey, legends, you know, none of our interviews or episodes ever date, ever. They are all timeless and ready for you for when you're ready to listen. Download the lot and rip in. The great ones, they're different. They really are. Not better, just different. Sure, there's a physical power, a mental strength, a complex but resolute constitution too. There's a whole lot more than just the measurables. That's something else, that intangible. It separates us from them. Welcome to the Legends series on Andy Raymond Unfiltered. As talented and competitive as I've seen, level-headed, complete and professional too. 302 games and two premierships at the one club. But who is Anthony Minicello? Yes, that's a good question, Andy. I appreciate you having me on the podcast. Um, I suppose I'm very much a family man. I love spending time with my uh, family and also played a lot of rugby league for the Roosters for 18 years and heavily into my health and fitness um, through sort of my own lived experience with injuries and that's why I'm sort of so passionate about uh, MiniFit now, which is my business, uh, health and fitness programs for adults and children. Uh, And, I yeah, just love um, learning new things and uh, I suppose being pretty lucky through my career to have another passion as I'm finishing up a professional sport, which is always hard for the transition. You're very positive and very passionate and the business to a large degree is is aimed at the next generation of of young Australians. It must be very rewarding. Yeah, so when I first started Minifit, it was all based around children's fitness, uh, health and fitness because, you know, I, I sort of loved doing the holiday clinics and diving into uh, school programs and that's what I did when I had the business in 2012. I was doing um, school programs and school holiday clinics. But, you know, obviously that uh, evolved through COVID this year when all those had to be cancelled because of the lockdowns that were, were happening. So I sort of switched to more uh, online, live and on-demand workouts, uh, functional bodyweight workouts, you know, just 10 to 20 minutes uh, and building a subscription base, and that's you know adult based now as well. And mm-hmm. now that uh, restrictions are slowly starting to ease in in some states, uh, school programs are slowly starting to come back. So at the moment, uh, I've been sort of working hard on building the online model, and you know that's a different world. So uh, diving into that and learning a lot more on how to build a subscription base has been um, where my time's been situated uh, lasts, I suppose, three four months. Are you still physically fit and, and in good shape in retirement? Yeah, I, um, I'm probably about seven kilos lighter than when I played, Andy. Wow. Uh, I, was, I was always a lean guy anyway, naturally uh, lean. So, you know, when I stopped pushing heavy weights and stopped eating heaps, uh, my body weight naturally come down to about 83, 84 kilos. So uh, I, I move or do something every day. Mm-hmm. Um, if it's a six-minute workout, then it's a six-minute workout. If it's an hour workout, it's an hour I, you know, my sort of goal or motto now is I want to be able to train every day and feel good every day. So, you know, I don't um, 
push heavy, heavy weights anymore, although I, I, I do like lifting weights every now and again, but I like the body weight aspect of it all. I like the gymnastic strength training and, you know, most of it is all based around uh, nutrition and your lifestyle anyway to, to be to be fit, so I'm, I'm passionate in those areas. Vinny, you were a part of the first generation of players that began their journey as a full-time professional. From where I sat, you got you got it straight away. Was it an easy transition for you, basically, from schoolboy to professional athlete? Yeah, I, I don't know if I got the total professional bit until when I got injured, but I'll give you a little breakdown. I sort of grew up southwest of Sydney on five acres, so movement was always a part of my life, naturally, yep. every day, you know, outdoors um, until your mum or dad calls you in for dinner or lunch, you know what I mean? So yeah. that that became just instilled in us about um, just exercising naturally yep. without even knowing about it, always being outdoors, which I've got a passion for as well. But, you know, then I got signed at the Roosters by the great Arthur Beetson at 16 and uh, coming up through the lower grades and coming through to making my debut at, in the year 2000. And, you know, I, I sort of you, – that's when the game started to – be much more professional you know from the 2000 to the mid 2000s there was a big change yeah. and then from the mid 2000s to the 2010s there's a huge change again you know and it continues to change um a lot um but you know through that part I, mean, I was i was professional i trained my butt off you know i trained harder than anyone and i was naturally fit um but i you know i was sort of pushing the envelope uh as well on the weekends you know because you know, there was a bit of a drinking culture back in the game, yep. um, which was fun. You know, we had the best times. You know, we, we would go out with the whole team and it was all harmless, all good fun. You'd have a drink. And, you know, at the, the times now a change, you can't really go out with, you know, 15 to 17 guys anymore. Yeah. It's just doesn't it doesn't work. Um, so, you know, we, we had some fun times, um, but we probably weren't being total professionals off the field today much more professional than we were because they got everything covered, all bases covered from off-field to recovery to nutrition to hydration to their training. Uh, everything's dialed in. Uh, I started to dial that in uh, from a holistic point of view after my injuries uh, in yep. 2006, seven and eight when I had three spinal injuries and that's when I started to really focus on those other areas. It's a huge positive that often gets overlooked but the game actually has grown so much in the last generation. Yes, there's still negative headlines. Yes, there's still problems with off-field behaviours, but the game has legitimately grown a whole lot in this last generation. Oh, 100%. Um, You know, the professionalism of clubs, the NRL, players, um, as is much better today than what it was when I first started, without doubt. You know, and you know, in in any industry, any sport, there's going to be a small percentage of players that will get themselves into trouble. That's just natural. And yep. you know, we're dealing with young kids. Yep. That's always going to happen. It's just that rugby league is really focused on, especially in New South Wales and Queensland, by the media. And yeah, you know, there's six, seven to ten pages of league in the in the sport every yep. every day. So, um, you know, a lot of players that do make a mistake will get scrutinised. 
Um, but, you know, that's what it is. It's a mistake. As long, as long as kids learn from their mistakes, then it's all fine because every kid's going to make a mistake. I've made plenty. Um, so the game is in a much better position now than what it was five years ago, ten years ago, without doubt. There's much more education around. Um, look, you know, I come through when I first started, with no, there's no social media, no camera phones. Then I got the, the start of all that in the mid-2000s, the late 2000s. And, you know, kids, they have to deal with that as well as an added pressure. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot more pressure on the kids these days um, to obviously perform at their best week in, week out, and then all the social media side of everything. That, you know, anyone could say anything at any point in time. Um, so there's more pressure on the kids these days, but there there is a lot more education from the NRL providing um, uh, getting the information out to the players on how to handle all this. Any elite athlete will tell you it takes more than just being physically fit to be at your best. And our friends at Galaxy Finance can have you at the top of your financial game. From home loans to investments and self-managed super funds, they provide complete solutions. Call Galaxy Finance on 1300 91 and mention you heard it on Andy Raymond Unfiltered to get an obligation-free chat to see how Galaxy Finance can assist you. You always struck me as a guy that knew what his responsibilities were on the field but off the field as an athlete and now as a, an ambassador with the Roosters, the NRL and, and with your own company, you, you're championing those responsibilities. Um, they're very important to you as a person. Yeah, look, no, loyalty is you know, a big thing for me. Um, being at the Roosters for 18 years, I'm proud of that. Um, it's, it's you know, I owe, you owe the game a lot because, you know, I, I grew up as a kid out southwest of Sydney and got plucked out of the west and brought to the east by Arthur Beetson mm. and so many opportunities uh, came from that and from rugby league. And, you know, if I didn't play rugby league, would I have my business mini fit? Would I um, be involved in the change room program with Matt Elliott? Yep. Uh, would I, you know, there's, there's so many flow-on effects that happen from rugby league. So you have to, um, you know, respect the game and give back to the game, give back to uh, the kids or the community, whatever you may choose to do in some way, shape or form um, and be grateful of the career that uh, – well, grateful the career that I've had, which is um, which has been pretty amazing really when you look back at it. You've already mentioned Arthur Beetson twice, so you obviously acknowledge he played a significant role in your development. What are your early memories of the great man? Yeah, yeah, he's a great man. We had a great relationship, Artie and I. Um, I remember, you know, when I was playing in the under-15s at East Valley United and a scout asked my mum for a tape uh, to give to Arthur Beetson. My mum used to film every game. So <laughs> she goes, yeah, I've got heaps. <laughs> so she gave a few tapes over and Artie um, obviously watched them and invited me to a, a training camp. And, I, you know, I was only... 15 turning 16 I didn't know too much about Artie Beetson at the time but I remember in that training camp at Narrabeen you know he addressed the players or the the, the kids and you know you could just see that he had an aura about him straight yeah. away and everyone was listening in and um yeah from 
from that point, I got offered a two-year contract and, uh, you know, the relationship started to build with Artie and, you know, right through my first grade years, um, you know, he was a great storyteller and always able to uh, give advice and just small little tips on your game to improve and he was such a character. He's um, yeah, a legend. On the field as a teenager, you actually represented Italy for the first of seven times and you really got noticed too. The game had started to expand its borders. To proudly wear the colours of Italy, how special was that for you and for mum and dad? Yeah, it was. That was pretty special. In 1999, I remember we finished finished the year and um, we had Craig Salvatore was the Italian rugby league coach and they were trying to qualify to make the World Cup. Uh, It was over in France and America and you know, Dave Riolo was playing and um, we had a couple of other players. Uh, yeah, it was just oh, Neil Pincinelli yep. actually was assistant coach. He was going to play but broke his arm in the lead-up. And, mate, I remember that tour. It was just an awesome tour. I was just a young 18-year-old um, and just you know looking at these guys you know, playing for a country and obviously the heritage of where my parents are from. And, you know, we, we – narrowly lost to Lebanon and, and missed out on uh, the World Cup that year. Uh, but it was such a such a good tour, such a good time. And the boys that uh, went on that tour, we're, we're still friends with now and, and have lots of laughs about that. Uh, and then, you know, fast forward to the end of my career, I ended up representing again. Yeah. So it was a it was a special time putting, putting on the, uh, the Azuri, as they call it. What was the hardest thing about moving into a first-grade squad at 19, were you intimidated, were you nervous, or were you comfortable straight away? Well, I think in um, in 1999, I was starting to really feel that I could just break tackles at will. Yep. I just had – you know, I come from an athletics and gymnastics background, so they were my two main sports as a young kid. And I didn't start league until I was 10 – so I think gymnastics, well, the the little athletics, I was all long distance back then. So that gave me a real good yep. um, fitness base. And the gymnastics really gave me strong core stability uh, and, and a power base. You know, I was tumbling. So I was doing trampolining and tumbling. So that really gave me a power base. And then as I developed and got a little bit bigger, because I was a little guy uh, and started to get into the, uh, 80 kilos, uh, in around 1999, I sort of started to have speed and power and that, you know, and speed creates power anyway. Yeah. So I started to just break tackles at will and felt like that this was not coming easy, but I could just see things a lot clearer and uh, things were happening on the field for yeah. me. So in 2000, Graham Murray come to the club and I basically just made the decision myself, I'm going to train full time. Like, it wasn't like, they said, oh, wow. come and train with the full-time squad. I was like, you know what, I'm, I'm finishing up my apprenticeship as a cabinet maker. Yep. I'm just going to start training full-time. <laughs> and I did. Cool. That's what I did. And, um, and Graham Murray was, was all fine with it after I just kept showing up. And, <laughs> and yeah, that was it. That year he put me on the bench. It was the, it was the, the, the year, obviously, 2000 Olympics, and we started a lot earlier than yeah. Um, scheduled. Yeah, if you remember that one. And I was – yeah, I think you could have six people on the bench for the first four or five weeks of the competition and I was one of those six and I think it was, I don't know, round six or so 
I got my opportunity. I come on in the last 10 minutes against the Bulldogs and we got beat. But the following week, Graham Murray started me on the right wing back at Allianz Stadium against Manly. And, yeah, I, I had a decent game and that stayed in first grade since that, uh, that point, which was pretty amazing. It was round four against the Dogs, round five against round four, Manly. there you go. That was your first yep. full game. What do you remember yep. of your debut, your first touch or your first tackle in, in first grade? Yeah, so I remember, I remember being on the bench for that Bulldogs game and I got thrown on, I think, the last 10 minutes and, you know, 10 minutes – Bang, goes like nothing. Yeah. But the next game, Graham Murray said, you're starting right wing. And I remember being in the sheds and Allianz Stadium and there's, you know, there's Rico, Adrian Lamb, there's Fletch, there's all these senior heads around. Mm. Um, and just like, you get a bit overwhelmed and you're a bit nervous. And, yeah. you know, you know, Freddie comes up and he goes, mate, don't be nervous. You're here, for, you're here for a reason. Just go out and do your job. That's all we ask, you know. And I remember my first touch was a grubber in goal and I picked the ball up in the in goal and I was trying to get out of the in goal and Jeff Tuvey just came launching at me and I actually bumped him off and got out of the in goal. <laughs> and uh, I remember Adrian Lamb just going, yeah, Minza. Like just give me a nice. you know, great, great pump up, you know, and that was, that was there's the start of my career. It was amazing. You're listening to Andy Raymond Unfiltered, the Legends series. We have corporate and private sponsorship packages available. You set the terms. For further information on how you can become part of the team, go to the website andyraymondunfiltered.com.au and hit the sponsorship tab. A really successful first year for yourself and for the team, wasn't it, you you made it all the way yep. through to the big dance. We did, yeah. It was, um, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty big year, and you know that semi-final series was pretty amazing. That game against the Knights, you yeah. know, where you know the, <laughs> the footage keeps rolling as Joey yeah. Johns throws his mouth guard on the ground, you know, and there's a, a good story to this game because um, during the first half, Rico does a hamstring. Yep. And we're getting beat at halftime and we go out first under the tunnel, the enter the field, and Rico's got his ice on his hamstring and he's hobbling down. Um, and Joey Johns and the Newcastle Knights come down and Joey goes, mate, no need to ice that, mate. You're on Mad Monday tomorrow. And just tapped him on the bum and kept, <laughs> kept run, ran on the field. <laughs> and, uh, you know, table, tables turned that night where Freddie took the intercept and, yep. you know, we, we scored a couple of tries down our right side I was playing right wing and we went on to win the game um and you know we we ended up playing in the grand final against the Broncos who were a red hot team that year that was uh, one of and, the great know, sides wasn't it that Brisbane side oh, of 2000 unbelievable you know Brad Thorne and Webkey and uh Wendell Saylor and Lockyer all at their prime you know yeah and yeah that I, I don't know if you remember any that that year it was unlimited interchange and if we can just have a think about that now. Imagine the That's game amazing. was unlimited. How so much that, quicker, yeah. Yeah. So the game, you know, I reckon Wayne Bennett, I think he made from memory 60-odd interchanges. And I think we only made like 18 or so. So he was just turning over the forwards every two, five minutes, you know. Almost NFL and, style, uh, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. And, you know, we held our own that day. We lost 14-8, I think it was. 
Um, but, you know, that was my first year in first grade. And, and then the Olympics rolled on. It was like, how good's life? You know what I mean? <laughs> Graham Murray, as you said, was your first coach along the journey. You've played under Ricky Stewart, Chris Anderson, Brad Fittler, Brian Smith and Trent Robinson at the Roosters. Looking yep. at that list, some great rugby league men, but they're very different as blokes. Were they different as coaches? Yeah, yeah. All of them had different, completely different, um, I suppose, takes on attack, defence, and the way and culture. Um, but you know, looking back, you you take things from all those coaches. You know what yep. I mean? They all had um, strengths and weaknesses, I suppose. Um, but as a player, you know, you try and learn off the coach that you have at the time and yep. you know i learned off all of them there's no doubt and um you know i was pretty lucky i had gus in origin and i had wayne bennett in the australian team so yeah I, i've had some wonderful coaches through my career no doubt when ricky arrived in 2002 i thought it was the year that defense got serious and it really changed mm. the, the entire game rushing became the norm it was physical it was brutal and we really hadn't seen anything like that to this degree before. Do you agree? Yeah, I would 100% agree with that. I think we we sort of changed the game that year. Yeah. Yes, Ricky come Ricky come on board and, you know, he had a preconceived idea that, you know, that us Eastern Southern blokes were soft and, you know, he <laughs> really gave it to us in preseason. But, you know, we were ready. Like we, we had great senior players that year, Freddie, uh, Rico, uh, Peter Cusack, uh, and then we had guys like myself, Craig Wing, Mick Crocker, Chris Flannery, Shannon Hegarty, like all these guys that were just ready to go, you know, throw anything at us and we'll yep. just take it on. So, you know, we trained our butts off every preseason with Ricky, but we we believe we are the fittest team in the NRL at the time and we, we, we were right up there. You know, everyone was getting 14 on the beep test, even front rollers. Wow. Um, and... You know, yeah, we, and, and we had Adrian Morley as well. So, and Ricky would wind him up every game, and he was just a machine. You know, Craig Fitzgibbon, another machine, and yep. go all day. Now these guys were just unbelievable. So, yeah, we we just just our line speed. We worked on it, and you know, we we I suppose frightened teams out of um, playing their natural attack. You know, we just rushed them, and we went on a good run for three years. You'd go on to win your first premiership in 02. What do you recall of that grand final? Or does the day and the event become somewhat of a blur because it is just so magical? Uh, it's definitely magical, there's no doubt. I think, you know, we had we won nine straight to win that year. Mm. And it was, yeah, by that, that nine straight, by the time we're getting to you know, five, six, seven, and eight, we just knew that we had the better of teams, that we could last longer than any other team. Yep. And we, we were coming home strong in the second half. You know, that, that first half against the Warriors, it was tight. You know, Stacey Jones mm. was on fire. Um, but, yeah, that second half again, you know, that, that obviously the 40-20 the by Freddie and then the Villa Sandy hit on Freddie and Moz getting angry and, you know, Fitzy playing out of his skin as well. It, we just had players ready to, to win a comp and we just went on with it and, and won by a, a fair amount in the end. Um, and, yeah, I was, I was 22. So you just you just think, how good is this? You know, you don't, you, you don't you, I suppose you don't really soak. 
we'll probably talk about 2013 later, but mm. you don't really soak it in as much as when you when you're in your 20s. Yeah, um, you just party <laughs> for six <laughs> weeks, <laughs> and well deserved, mate. You've mentioned Craig Fitzgibbon a couple of times. You've got him there as an assistant at the Roosters. Um, yep. As a footballer, he may not be the most underrated of all time, but he's up there on the podium. He was a wonderful contributor to any football side that he was in. Oh, mate, he was an absolute machine, Fitzy. Um, you know, he's probably one of, one of the toughest that I've played with uh, in, in the Roosters. You know, him, Morley, just, just tough. Like, Fitzy was obviously a rangy back rower. But he, he, I would sometimes catch a ball at fullback and, and run it back into the line. Yeah. And the first person back there um, is Fitzy Fitzy. taking that next run, you know, (laughs) should be a center or winger. And it's Fitzy all the time. Uh, He was just a machine, you know, very fit guy. Um, Yeah. Loved playing with him. Great mate of mine. The move to fullback following that grand final win, was that an easy transition? Because it appeared from our side of the fence, it, it wasn't it. It suited you and you, in fact, took your game probably to another level immediately. Yeah, you're right. Um, so, obviously, Luke Phillips was the fullback and, you know, he had about 12 needles in his shoulder that grand final just to yeah. get through the game. He was basically stuffed. And then he announced his retirement and everyone was like, mate, why are you retiring? You're only 28 or something. And he was lying about his age for years. He goes, no, oh, I'm 32. <laughs> yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> so, I remember pre-season um, – you know, we had Justin Hodges in the team that year too. Uh, he's played a bit of fullback. Yep. And Ricky came up to uh, me and and also he said, I've approached Hod- Hodjo. He said, oh, look, I'm thinking about playing your fullback. What do you think? And I was like, yep, give me a crack. Because, you know, I was, I, was, I was naturally fit as we mentioned before yep. and I wanted to get my hands on the ball a lot more. I wanted to do more. I wanted to be in and, in and around the ruck supporting the forwards and, you know, so I said, yeah, you know, give me a crack, 100%, you know. And Ricky gave me the first crack and, you yeah, my first game was the World Club Challenge over in England when it was freezing cold. Uh, and we dusted them St. Helens 38-0. Yep. And that was, that was that, that really kick-started my career and elevated it up into the representative level going from wing to fullback. And, you know, that was Ricky's, Ricky's thoughts and doing. So, yeah, thank him for that. As you mentioned, representative... Football was just around the corner. We're still in 2003. It was happening very fast for you. Did it feel like yes. everything was happening fast? Did you have to take time out and, and almost slow the mind down and the ride down a little? That, that, that was part of the problem when I broke down because I, I was all 100 miles an hour. You yeah. know, I was that on and off the field as well. That was me. I was high energy. Yep. Um, and no downtime. I always had to hang out with guys or go, you know, be with a group of players or yep. people or whatnot. I was just that's how I was. So at the time, it was just this is great. You know, Haygood's life. Yeah. You know, grand final win, another grand final, two thousand three, and it just it was just like a a cycle um, that I was going through and living. Yeah, fast. It was <laughs> it was good at the time, but you know. I'm sure we'll we'll get into why I got injured uh, down the track in 2006. The Anthony Minicello story continues in part two of this very personal interview, coming soon to Andy Raymond Unfiltered.